Hello and welcome to another episode of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast with your hosts, Shelley and Bella. We've got to think of a better start to this than us just actually listening to our own music. Because yeah, you look like a bobblehead. Oh, thank you. We need to maybe get a card or something up instead and, you know, or shorten the intro. Yeah. <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to episode 101 of the Weird, Wacky and Wonderful Stories podcast. I thought you were going to say 101 Dalmatians. No. Darn. No, no. although I've got to say with my <laughs> grey little bits and flecks in my hair, I'm starting to look more like a Dalmatian every day. No you're not, you're just looking old. Thank you. <laughs> We've got a really interesting guest coming up today. We've got Paul Sinclair coming up and uh, we know that he's always really popular on the show so uh, stay tuned for that. For those people that are just listening to this on the audio feed on our normal sort of podcast feed, this is also going out via YouTube as well so you can log on if you wish to YouTube and uh, check us out there. And uh, see us in all our beautiful glory. No? no okay. No. <laughs> I just want to say, first of all, thank you very much to uh, Johnny and Melinda once again for your um, your donations to our Buy Me A Coffee uh, thing that we do. So uh, really do appreciate that. And uh, I think that um, they deserve the... <laughs> John and Melinda... Thank you very much. <laughs> In fact, maybe we should give you a couple of these. No, that wasn't the one. <laughs> there you go. John and Melinda, yeah. No, thank you very much. If you want to help out like John and Melinda did, does, it uh, it helps us with the show. It helps us keep afloat. Um, that is uh, Buy Me A Coffee. The link is on the bottom of the show notes and also on our website and also on YouTube now as well. Really got no excuse not to sort of listen, at least. Exactly. We're everywhere. Right. We're, what can I say? We're everywhere, you know? Um, we're just going to get straight on with the show today because we've got lots of information and lots of stories that we're going to cover with Paul today. So um, he is one of the UK's best researchers. He is um, the author of the Truth Proof series. I've got to say that again. The author of the Truth Proof series. I find that really difficult to say. Uh, we spoke to him last time about his book, Night People, which he brought out, which was fascinating as well. And he's got a lot of other info on his YouTube channel and everywhere else. But we'll learn more about that as we speak to our guest, Paul Sinclair. Hi, Paul. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thank you. Pleasure to be back talking with you. It's great to see you again. We've we spoke to you on the phone loads of times, but we never get the option to see you. So, or at least we don't. We don't because obviously we see you on your YouTube videos and all that sort of stuff. I got to say, YouTube channel is absolutely amazing. I see you getting loads of hits on that, and you've done some brilliant live streams over the lockdown, especially. We have, yeah, and uh, it's my fault that we haven't done as many. You know, I mean, I think. There's just not enough hours in day, you know. Even despite even with lockdown, it's not sort of held me back because I'm up at half past five, writing, reading things, replying to emails. I'm sure you know what it's like. It's 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 pretty busy, and then on a night, I'm out an unhealthy amount of time in in places dark, foreboding places we'll call them. So yeah, it's it's pretty non-stop. 
Well, that's what we like about your work, because obviously you do get out there and you actually do the stuff, which is why it's always so interesting to speak to you. Um, There are a couple of things that we want to speak to you about today. Before we get into your work, I have to say that I've been watching your Facebook channel, um, your Facebook page, and seeing the work that your daughter is doing with um, some of the songs that she's putting out. And I've got to say that she has the most amazing voice. And um, I I watched the preview that you've got um, on your on your uh, Facebook page about um, Wolflands. And, yeah. and is she doing the, the music for that as well? She's she's doing the harmonies and, and, and the singing that's in it. We've got uh, Mick Park of T- the Tilt. Uh, you, people may be familiar with his work from the late 90s and the 2000s, brilliant dance music, but now he's producing music for other artists. An absolutely brilliant guy. And he's together with Jessica and Nick, her husband. They're putting together the music for Wolflands. Uh, so I've got big thank you to Mick Park. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's great. We're getting lots of help. As you know, I'm doing it with Les, Les Drake, Digital Creations. And uh, Les is sort of, he's, he's easy to work with. He's okay. You know, we have his moments. We, You know, if I can fall out in an empty room, to be honest with you. So. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, it's going really well. Lockdown did hold us up there, actually, with some of the witnesses that we wanted to speak to. But, you know, we have a great bunch of people with at least eight people, individuals who don't know each other, that's come together to, to help us make Wolflands. And the locations are, are pretty close and where all these incidents, should we say, have happened. And the years between go from like last year to 22 years ago. And there's even more. But it's, like me and Les spoke the other day, where do you start and where do you stop? You know, we're hoping to finish Wolflands at about an hour and a half, an hour and 20, hour and a half. But there's another witness come forward now. We've got another guy to, fil- uh, to film down at a place called Hackness. You know, it's uh, there's two of them originally, but only one wants to speak. And we're going to get this, this chap who claims that, uh, well, I'll just get into this. We haven't got, we haven't filmed him yet, so he may not be included in Wolflands. But as young guys, these... They went for a ride on them. We'll call them the mopeds or the motorbikes, L plates. You know, where they get a bit of freedom and yeah, they're off all yeah. over the place. And anybody not familiar with North Yorkshire, when you get around Hackness and Dolby Forest and <clears throat> and these places, it's pretty remote. And then, in the obviously in the night time, there's e- there's even less traffic. And they're driving down this road through Hackness, single track road with pull-ins, quite tall hedges either side, so it's quite oppressive. And they stop on their bikes for a cigarette. And I think we're going back to 2016. As, and his mate sort of swears and says, what the... And he's seen this thing high up in the edge row, part the trees and look through at them. Oh, hell no. And <laughs> I knew about the story. I knew about the story years ago. Now, the, the young guy that we're hoping to film is, is straight up. He only says, I only saw its arms and its hands. We don't think he saw its head. One of one of the guys who's helping us produce Wolflands, and one of one of my very good friends who's been out there in the field with me, stopping overnight with witnesses, is Chris Wright. And it, and Chris happened to be a friend of this guy's father, so we knew about this long before Wolflands. Chris knew about the story, so it's not something that somebody's just created for the film. 
just getting them to come forward and talk. And now this this young chap's finally agreed to do it. Now his friend saw it first, and it were him that sort of swore and said, "Look at that! What the hell is that?" And he's, for all intents and purposes, they claim they'd seen something akin to a werewolf. And uh, so, so there you have it. And where these things are coming from, Shelley and Bella. I have no idea. The notion that they could be living and breathing in the North Yorkshire Moors National Park, I suppose it has to be considered, but that's all I would do, consider it, because I can't really, I can't see it. I just don't think that's the, this is the case. We've got over 500 miles of national park. We know that there's roads and, and moor, and it's nearly heavy forested, but it, ju it just doesn't seem possible. But at the same time, Along the coastline, and we'll use the coastline of from east of eastern North Yorkshire all the way up. Folklore has told us about these dogs with the glowing red eyes that have been seen at Kettleness up past the, the National Park, uh, at Whitby, at Ravenscar, on the clifftops at Bempton, at Sands End, throughout hundreds and hundreds of years. And it's kind of there's no smoke without fire. These things have been seen. Now, why have they been seen on the coastline? Probably because you've got a concentration of people around those parts more than you would have in the forests of North Yorkshire. Yeah, but so it's hiding. <laughs> I don't. I, I I didn't quite catch what you said there, Bella. Sorry. I said so. There's places it can hide. That's why it's where it is because they can hide. I'm not. I'm not. Sorry. I'm not. I'm just not catching that. But uh, so she said I, that uh, um, it seems like it. It has places that it can hide in that area. I, I, yeah, I would agree, but. You know, these these sightings literally go back hundreds of years. And to me, I don't know. There's another there's another element to them. It's almost I don't want to connect them with the UFOs, but there's a there's there's something else happening. If we stay with Wolflands for a moment, the the two of the witnesses in one of I'm, I'm trying not to name the actual forests because I've found a lot of information relating to the forest that I think will make, make things even mix it up even more when we actually put the film out. But we're, we're all close around Dolby Forest and around that area. But two of the witnesses, when they went in in 2018, they took another guy in with them. Two-hour walk into this forest. There's, there's two ways in. One's two hours. The other one will take you an hour and a quarter, but you're going down a very, very deep ravine. And they're, they're camping in this forest. The other guy who we've not filmed, he knew that this thing was there before it made its presence known. He was saying to his two friends, we've got to leave. We're being watched. I don't like it. I'm frightened. And it did, they weren't hearing growling. They weren't hearing trees crashing. That's that. So there's something else. There's something extra. Almost well. Let's let's say it's so kind of supernatural to these creatures, and and I, I firmly believe this. You know, and if we jump overseas to America, and we've got uh, you know the word dogman seems prominent. I think ultimately we're, we're splitting airs here with werewolf dogman. I think we're probably talking about the same thing. Yeah. And yeah. it's just you know I mean why people get uptight and want it to be. I'm no preference. That's what I'm saying. But if we stay there. We've got the hunters in America, you know, because of the gun laws they're allowed to shoot. And they they talk on various podcasts about getting these things in their sights. And I've heard them talk about shooting them with a 30-yard six. 
<laughs> and it's had no effect on it. But they still believe it's a living, breathing, flesh and blood creature. And it's the size of a bear. And this gun would usually kill a bear or it would kill a moose. Yet these things it has no effect on. Now, to me, I'm not the sharpest person in the world, but to me, common sense tells me that we're dealing with something else other than a normal flesh and blood creature. If a bullet that would normally uh, immobilise an animal that size has no effect, then th that's where I am with it, you know? And was there any traces of, like, blood or anything like that? or are we? Well, these are, po these are pod podcasts that I've, I've listened to over mm. the years, and they've said they can they see it hit, but it's still standing there. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it don't, it, it, to me, it doesn't add up. I can't just give you, pluck your podcast out of the air, but I know it were on one of Vic Cundiff's yeah. Ugman Encounters, and I've spoke on Vic's show, I don't know, three or four times, I think, in in past, and I've said this. I'll tell you what else is interesting. Uh, when I first started speaking to Vic, oh, I don't know what year, four or five years ago, about the Flixton encounters, the Flixton werewolf, I was of the opinion then that these things were more than flesh and blood. Now, I'm not saying Vic disagreed with me, but the general opinion was that we'd got some kind of unknown animal living and breeding in these locations. But that's changing. I don't think I've changed it, but that's changing. More and more people, are, I think, are realising that there's there's another element to these things. You know, I, I got some... I got an account of some guys in Harwood Dale, which is very close to where we've been doing all this filming. They're not in the film, but they were mountain bikers. And as they're going down these tracks, this thing appeared 30 foot away in the bracken and gorse. Now, if you've ever stepped into these, that off the track into these woodlands, I mean, it's up and down, it's undulating, there's fallen trees, there's standing stones. He says, and this thing were just moving like it were on a track. Wow. Do you, do you know? Do you know, and one of our witnesses is a former gamekeeper, absolutely first-rate witness, great guy, L loads of faith in what he's telling me. And he went outside after he'd seen it because he was sleeping in an, in an abandoned farmhouse uh, as part of his job. That he found this place, and it, it was convenient while they were doing some kind of work up there. And this thing came to the window and stood looking at him. Wow. Uh, during the night yeah he doesn't he didn't see no ears he didn't see no flaming red eyes or glowing eyes he didn't see no teeth but we've been and we've measured the window and this this thing was at least 38 to 40 inches wide and it was stooped down so it's over seven foot tall and he's laid in a sleeping bag on the floor with a fire at his feet but for days after that uh, and before that him and another gamekeeper had been hearing a baby crying in the forest. Ooh. And every time they went to where they perceived they'd heard it, it stopped and it started deeper in the forest. And he felt like he were being watched. And he'd be working, sorting the pheasants out and what have you for the shoots, and something would be whispering to him in his ear. Mm. And he'd turn around, there's nothing there. I mean, this guy's... Great big strapping, no nonsense man. He really is, and he'll come across like that in the in the documentary. We've we've not dressed anybody up to be anything they're not, and what you've got is a solid witness. And he was so disturbed after he'd seen this thing that he decided to. He's ex-marine, 
uh, that he decided he was going to sleep outside, or not sleep, but observe from outside about 40 foot away in a, in a little ditch. And it, that's what he did. And he loaded his sleeping bag up in the, in the room of this abandoned farmhouse, stuffed it all and lit the fire and observed. Jumping back to my, we'll call it the supernatural element of these things, this thing came out of the forest in the, the early hours. His head was level with the fascia boards, and we're not talking, these are farmhouses, they're pretty low, yeah. but it's over seven yeah. foot tall. And it went down the side of the farmhouse, but he didn't see its legs moving. His, his analogy was, and it's a really good analogy, it just look, if you'd have just run a torch down, it was just like that light going down. And it went and stood at the window and looked inside, and he knew, it knew he were in that ditch. There's something else to these things. And I'm not professing to have the answer to what the something else is, but I, I firmly believe there is. The points that you make there in in terms of the extra little things that go alongside the phenomena, like, for instance, the sound of the baby, um, yeah. like, for instance, the, the feeling that you're not alone before any other yeah. evidence presents itself. Those kind of things have been reported before in Bigfoot cases as yeah. well, especially the mimicry um yeah. you know it's been mentioned before do you think that maybe this phenomenon is what p some people are attributing to bigfoot cases or or maybe vice versa vice vice versa you know in in, in the case of the gamekeeper we, we're not 100 percent certain that it it wasn't bigfoot that he'd seen you know he he he's of the opinion this was werewolf type phenomena not because he prefers it or wants it to be. That were, that's always been his gut feeling. When he when he started working there back in, I think it was 1997, 98, which is interesting, you'll have heard of Tony Dodd, the former police detective who, who were a paranormal researcher. Well, what he, what he would, didn't know was that Tony Dodd was actually actively researching the area at the time ah. because of a spate of animal mutilations. Uh, which I found interesting. I mean, I ended up doing a bit of work with Tony oh, on XS894 years years and years later. Um, but I've got a letter from a guy who, who'd been exchanging correspondence with Tony saying that he, he believed there were a chupacabra or an animal similar to that in the forest of North Yorkshire. And he'd, and he'd been inves investigating fox mutilations, horse, deer, sheep human you know and, and so all of this was happening all in close proximity now we've not we've not looked into that aspect of it but i do find it interesting that when because because the gamekeeper touches on the fact that when he first started that there were a spate of sheep mutilations which obviously tony dodd never got to know about so it, it were happening throughout the forests and not unlike what I'd looked into in 2016, 17 and 18 up along the coasts of East Yorkshire with the mutilations. You know, I mean, and it kind of makes you you just don't know what's happening and what's responsible. You, you, I mean, mutilations is probably not the right word for it, because jumping now from the forest to, to East Yorkshire, most of the carcasses that I found hadn't been predated on as in the meat taken. I was going to say that because when you mentioned like the chupacabra type, uh, you know, theory, the the certainly the images that you sent us and the images that we've seen that you've presented in other places, 
couldn't have been done by something without thumbs or intelligence or you know whatever i mean these things were placed in a lot of cases give you an example i can't remember the date but someone tells me it was late 2018 no it must it must have been early 2019 and i used to ring farmer and say don't bother going up today i'm I'm gonna tomorrow i'm gonna go up early in the morning you know what i mean and I'd, i'd update him if anything had happened and when i spoke to him the days may be mixed up if I've spoke about this before because I haven't got this literature in front of me but he'd been up there we'll say on the Sunday and he'd lost a lamb and we're not talking a tiny lamb bath grown we'll call it number 35 because they all spray a number on them he said and I've been all the way around my two dogs have worked the field he says I've been round in my truck he says and it's not there he said I haven't a clue he says a fox must have took it and dragged it off and there's two gates to this field I says okay fair enough so We'll call that Sunday. I think I went up on the Tuesday morning. He'd not looked since the Friday. Uh, the Friday he went Friday Sunday. I went Saturday, probably, but went on to look at the light for the lights. But did the field as well, but didn't speak to him. So we don't know when this sheep went, this lamb went, but he knows it wasn't there on the Sunday. Uh, I hope I'm not too long long winded with this one. But what I did, I went into the field with my little dog. I work around the sheep. They know me. They don't run away. They don't. They're, they're happy with my little dog's presence as well. Although it, it couldn't even chase a rabbit, I don't think. But there you go. <laughs> so, well, no, he couldn't. But um, and then I drop into this woodland. And there's nothing. There's nothing amiss. I've got it in my mind that he's told me he's lost, lost this lamb. And I thought, well, I might find it in woodland or in edge if a fox has taken it. And on the way out. I don't bother doing grid at field. I don't need to. And I sort of walk down, open the gate, shut it, and then just look up the field where at 4.30, 5 o'clock I have been. And it's it's not dark. It's just getting light at this time. And I can see it. It's not thick, heavy grass. And it weren't there. And there's a lamb laid there. And I'm, I knew it were. I, I just I, I can't believe this. I've been here a few hours ago. So I walk up the field. And I look, and we'll call it number 35's laid there, with its ears removed, its eyes removed, and its front left leg removed. Doesn't smell. It's clap cold. It's not been... It's horrible saying things like It's not been eaten. There's been no... It's not The carcass hasn't been broken into, apart from the, the, the front left leg being removed and these, these other parts gone. So I rang the farmer, and I said, what... Uh, when you lost that sheep, what number was it? I said, we'll say he said 35. I said, well, it's here. I've just found it, but it weren't here when I came this morning. He said, impossible. It can't be. It must be a different sheep. I said, listen, it's, it's 100 yards in front of me. It's banging line with gate. I said, but it weren't here when I arrived. He says, well, I searched field on Sunday. It weren't there. And and his, his logic for this, and he's a lovely guy, so I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to him. But he, he just said, well, Fox must have brought it back. You know, which and took its eyes out and removed its ears and took its front left leg out. That's my sarcasm. But, you know, um, so there is something else happening. That's what I'm getting at. There is something else happening, you know, with with these animals. It's almost like the phenomenon at times is playing with you. And, you know? and maybe part of the reason why it isn't as kind of well-known or spoken about as much is because people are trying to look for rational explanations, even to the point of being irrational. It's, it's what we do, isn't it? I mean, we, uh, we wouldn't be 
good researchers, if that's the word for it, or people who look into these things, if we looked for the unexplained phenomena option every time, we must look for the rational. Yeah. Uh, and when we've ironed all all those things out, then we've we've got to sort of start, start looking elsewhere, and that sort of takes me then to the lights out at sea, and you know we've it's been a bit flat up there. I keep saying that me and Bob Brown probably go up tonight if weather holds, but I've been going up four and five nights a week. Uh, you know, staying up some nights till midnight, till after midnight, and there's been nothing to see. There's been no strange feelings because so, so, oh, very very occasionally. It's uh, 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 weird, uh, like a it's like like a a very dark atmosphere seems to descend on the place, and that, I've had that in in emails from people and people I've met over years who've been up there. But it is only occasionally. It's happened to me a couple of times. But the lights, everybody's looking for a rational explanation, and that's what we should do anyway, because we'd be fools if every time we filmed us uh, a light going across the sky we thought it was some kind of ufo uh, when it, potentially it's it's space station or it's a satellite yeah you know but uh, these these lights that just sort of bang they just come on in the sky and then po- another one seems to pop out and another one they stay there and they switch off and then they appear they don't fly anywhere they just do the same thing further down coast and all the way up and down the eastern North Yorkshire coast and in other places. I'm only dealing with where I'm looking into it, as you know, Shelley. But obviously, I think if people were observing, they're, they're everywhere. I don't think that I'm in a particularly rich spot for this stuff. I think it's the fact that I'm quite intense when I set my mind to doing something. And we'll find this stuff. If it's there, we'll, we will find it. But over the years, these lifeboat and coast guard logs, it's a, they've got a brilliant record of these call-outs. Member of the public, MOP spots flares. Uh, police officers have spotted flares, distress flares. You know, and and Coast Guard have spotted distress, distress flares. So they sent lifeboats out. And you've heard me I'm sort of repeating stuff that I, I do quite a lot. And, you know, we get three-hour call-outs, nine-hour call-outs. Sometimes during the call-out, they've seen them. Yeah. Nobody thinks to look what else they could be. It don't have to be. It don't have to be. It is unexplained. But why haven't we got a scientific body looking into it? Instead, it's easier on the report to put false alarm with good intent. But that's it's kind of frustrating because that that false alarm with good intent has has probably cost a few thousand pounds in man hours and and the boats being deployed. Nothing can be denied. These objects have been seen. So why why are we calling them false alarms? It's, and it just writes it off. It's just a sweeping statement that just disregards the fact that there's been a genuine unknown out there. And it's this is this has been going on. I wouldn't say for decades before that. You know, before the before even the the logs, because you've got folklore of what they call the fiery dragons and think you know mm. just six miles down coast and these are the spheres of light that are seen off fiery and people perceived as dragons uh, do, do you know and it's 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 fascinating and i don't know what your views are on it well no it absolutely is fascinating and i was actually going to ask you well two things first of all so uh, i know that you've spoken to richard lenny in the past he uses the night vision uh, goggles have you have you used any kind of technology like that down on the coast to look at some of these things yeah, I've invested in lots and lots of gear to be honest with you I've, uh, i have a thermal imaging camera 
quite expensive thermal imaging camera. Uh, we'll jump to a sighting with that. Uh, I, I use a psionics camera, which is an absolutely incredible low light camera. Uh, I have some night vision goggles and I have a, 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 a we use for documentary, but I have a Sony NX80, which is a, a, a decent bit of kit as well. So, yeah, we've we've we use all sorts as well as tri-field meters. You know, we, we, we throw everything at it. What's interesting, I think it was in. Uh, I'll get corrected here, but I think it might have been November 11th, 2020, though myself and. Amanda and Steve Ashbridge up up on the cliff tops, and Amanda had a little psionics Aurora camera, and she's sort of scanning around. I've got a thermal camera with me, uh, a Pulsar, as well as the other cameras. And she, as she's looking, she says, "I can see three lights." Well, we look and we can't see them, just cannot see them, and they're not they're not small, and we we just can't see them anyway. So I put the Sony camera on them that couldn't see them with night shot. I put the thermal camera on them. They're not giving an heat signature, and she's filmed them for six minutes. I think we've put it on the website. If we haven't, it needs to be put on. So the website's truthproof.uk. And uh, unbelievable. This this psionics Aurora camera could see these objects that three people couldn't see with naked eye. A good quality, very good quality thermal camera weren't picking an heat signature up. And the night shot on the Sony camera couldn't see them either so th there are things around us that the, the the newer technology should we say is able to see and and I, you know i mean i don't think in grand scheme of things they're not that expensive these psionics cameras i i, I bought one i think between 700 and a thousand pound it depends how deep you want to go into it do you know what i mean but uh, i think it's, it's money well spent if you're hoping to capture any part of this phenomena i've never heard of a psionics camera so i'm gonna to have to look into that but if if money was no object what do you think that we need to get or we need to invest in to get more of the evidence that that we need you know so what, well, what's, what's your millionaire's wish list for this this field <laughs> well that's not going to happen is it unfortunately. <laughs> you never know well the 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 thermal camera i i bought what about 2200 ideally you probably want to be spending a lot more but i think that's adequate at the moment for the job but i ideally it's it's an incredible bit of low light kit with enough battery power to leave it running while you while you're there so if you're there four hours and these things appear you you can actually just press record and you're filming them or just keep recording constantly because that is the biggest problem and and the weather the psionics is waterproofed. The thermal is supposed to be able to go underwater, although I'm not going to test it, but the, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, but the Sony, it's a lot of money's worth of camera, and when you put it on the cliff tops, there's so much moisture in, during the night that it's it gets absolutely wet through. So, I mean, I've just behind this, this laptop, I've got a an old VX2100 still working when it dis when it wants to do and that's been ruined up on the cliff tops by allowing it to get you don't even realize they're getting wet with the moisture and then when you bring them inside they just they just sort of condense up and i mean that camera 10 years ago were over two and a half thousand pounds and it's just in a box at back there it's it, it, it's a digital one you know digital mm. small digital cassettes but that's the problem so ideally in, in the perfect world money no option it would be 
a camera or a unit that can waterproof the camera with enough energy, enough battery power to leave that camera filming or just keep changing memory cards and just, I don't know, just erasing everything. You wouldn't want to go through the, inf the information that they've collected if there's nothing to see. Mm. Because a lot of the times when these lights appear, I mean, there were myself, Chris Turner, uh, Jerry Denning, and uh, Mark Farnell, after the conference, the I think it was after the OLM conference, we all went up onto Cliff Tops. And unbelievably, the lights decided that they were going to play. And it was that cold that Chris's hands were hurting. I mean, he'd tell you that. That's when the North Sea's sort of bitter. And it's, you know, and we, all in all, we managed to get probably 30 seconds of footage from hours and hours of not these things constant what happens Shelley, is they just appear bang 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 and then switch off you know and when i said bang it's just yeah. a ball that's appearing and the, like light bulbs and then just switch off and by the time you've fired your camera up it's over yeah. uh, you know i were up there with a guy called lee hayward and i, I probably spoke about this sighting before Shelley, when when you know when we when we spoke, I'm not sure how, when last show we did, but uh, Lee came up quite sceptical about what I've been talking about, and, and rightly so. I mean, I'm, I'm rattling on about these weird lights, and unless you've seen something like that, the, the scene is believing. So we're up there, and on the field behind us, I've got the camera facing the sea. I just turn around and wow, look, and, and it's in the field with us. So, but it's on the on the outer edges of the field. So we're talking like three or four hundred yards away. But there's a huge picture of uh, three snooker balls. The top one and two below, just there, gold. It's lighting up the field, and they're huge. I mean, that took up Lee all convincing he needed. If so, if you went on the Truth Proof web uh, Facebook page, you'd have to scroll down quite a lot because Lee did a write up, at, at basically saying he'd come up here not to disprove me, but skeptically checked everything that were flying you know because that's the kind of guy he is and you know in air he'd, he'd, he'd done his own work blown away by what he saw and i must admit i was because i we've i've never seen them as the, the spheres as close as what we saw them there and as as fast as i'm getting my camera around shelly to film them turning it on and bringing it round, you know they're imploding and they've gone so the only evidence that i've got of what i'm talking about is in here and either people can watch this and think, well, this guy talks a lot of rubbish, you know, or, or let, let's believe him. Let's give him benefit of doubt because I, I know eventually, you know, I'm going to get him uh, as in really good. I've got quite a bit of footage already that I've not shown. I've shown snippets, put some bits out. And I don't know whether you've seen it, any of this footage that I've put out. There's some on the Truth Proof YouTube channel and uh, but but it's weak in comparison to what we've seen. Well, you're definitely putting in the time up there. So if anyone's going to see it, hopefully it's going to be you. And just, just a point on the, the chap that came up then and was sceptical about it. It's nice to hear, actually, that someone is sceptical, but then is prepared to actually go on record later on and say, OK, I was wrong, because there's so many sceptics out there that are just being sceptical for the sake of being sceptical, and they're belligerent about it. Um, it's, it's so easy, isn't it, to... to because we're, we're, we're perfect, we're perfect, we're just cannon fodder. All across the unexplained phenomena spectrum, we are cannon fodder. A, you've got complete loons who will believe everything and tell you anything, and that, you know, they're being, 
visited by aliens from this planet and that planet. And and I'm I don't get involved in it, and I maybe sh shouldn't be so passionate when I say things like that. But then you've got dedicated people. I like to think that I'm I'm in that ilk who who don't believe everything I'm told, and I like to use these and get out there. I don't sit behind a keyboard researching all this and, and coming up with theories to what things might be. Get out there as well as do the work behind the keyboard and as well as looking in libraries and, and research facilities. Yeah. And th I think that's what it's about. I mean, I, I don't know whether I'll ever get to the bottom of what this phenomena is. I find it interesting that you know, all this phenomena is out there. It can be here. It can do all these different things. But it never, it only seems like it gives you enough to keep keep people interested. So it's odd I, that, you know. I would, I would agree. And do you think that the phenomena is almost like a chameleon and it adapts and evolves? Because you tend to get nuts and bolts UFO guys and they're looking for something they can tap on side. Uh, you know, like some st structured steel craft, or and and they tend to see that stuff, and some of it is backed up with proper evidence. Do you know what I mean? Even if it's mm -hmm. only what's come out of their minds, uh, or, or you know what they've seen or experienced. You know, because I don't think anybody, any of us, at the moment, unless somebody's going to come out with some absolutely yeah. incredible, has, has got that that solid proof. But there's some good researchers out there who are, who are advocates of this nuts and bolt craft types phenomena to it and and they see that kind of thing i'm not saying that the, the the light form phenomena is any different i mean there's a that i would got an mod contractor in the new book uh who's seen spheres of light but he put some really good binoculars on these spheres of light and said he could see bronze colored pyramids inside the lights mm. so What's to say that there isn't something structured behind these spheres of light that we're seeing? And, mm. you know, I, I, I really don't know. And I, I don't know if they're connected to the cryptids that people are seeing. I do think that the cryptid sightings, I'm not jumping all over the place here. I, I, I don't know whether there have been more sightings or if it's the fact that people are a little bit more open to the possibility that there could be some truth to what we're talking yeah. about. Therefore, some of these sightings that, have took place 10, 20 years ago that people just kept to themselves. People are actually speaking now. You know, like the gamekeeper came out. He saw his experience, I think it was 2002, you know, so, mm. and it took him all that time. And he said it was after listening to me talk about him that he, he reached out and got in contact. You know, the, the other guys, the three guys in the forest, theirs were 2018. The, the, the paratrooper were February 7th. Uh, 2019 and then 31st of january 2020 jamie and lee were on the clifftops two miles away and they had an experience uh, where, where they saw something but i don't think this thing's resident on those clifftops and, and I, I probably lost track of of uh, bella's question there but uh, you no, I think I think you covered it. They, they, her point was obviously that they give you a little bit to keep you interested. It's almost like they're drip feeding us. It's almost like they're trying to they they're trying to give us as much as we can handle at any one point, rather than just blowing our minds with something that would that would totally freak us out. Yeah, and and like I was like I said, there's that pilot who saw something. He said almost every single time he flew. Well, the people that were flying with him 
did, did they see it too? You know, it's, it's just interesting that... You make a good point, yeah. I wonder if that question was asked. That would be, be a brilliant question to ask him because if they didn't see it, you'd, you'd, you might think, unless the phenomena can work on a one-on-one -on -one level, because we, we do know with multi-witness accounts that some people perceive the phenomena. They'll all agree that they've seen something highly unusual and they might all agree on the same sort of framework of what they've seen but a lot of times they have different experiences so the, you know what what bella's just said did the people flying with him see the objects as well uh, if they did then more power to it then perhaps it might be a case that they don't want to come forward it does seem a bit strange that every time he flies he sees ufos you know it'd be like me saying every time we go up to those cliff tops we see these lights and i'll be honest with you that's not the case yeah. I would have thought that we'd be looking at 2% out of the 100 that you would see them. I think that um, the whole idea of people seeing different things, I think, was illustrated really well in your book, Night People, where you talk about that trip home yeah. on, on New Year's Eve and you talk about the hedge and the guinea pigs. You know, well, that, you know that is the most bizarre story. I, 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 would, I would dare to say that when, when I wrote Night People, I thought... Yeah, it's, it, it reads nuts. It's it's crazy. Do, 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 well, it does. You know, it was 1970, well, New Year's Eve, and I'm coming home with my mum and dad. Have we spoke about this on any other shows? I can't remember. Yeah, on here, on that you spoke yeah. about yeah. our show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know whether you'd read the book and were telling me or whether, yeah. And, but, you know, we walk over at River Don Bridge and onto the railway line, and, and what do we see? Two rabbits and a guinea pig in in, in the snow. And they're not obviously we we know that guinea pigs aren't wild they're not, not native to this country, and but they were tame. Looking at them, and I'm, but my dad's already seen these thing or things in this field with my mum. I'd not seen them. I'm just focused on these. But everything were quiet. I remember as a little boy, everything were quiet then, like you'd been immersed into this. I don't know. Just had just had ear, ear mufflers put on, and it was a strange. Everything just died away. We were in a little vacuum. And my mum's dragging me away and I'm trying to look at them and my dad's getting angry. And I just got one fleeting glimpse as I looked back and there were beings stood in field. Mm. Just like cardboard cutouts, really, but they were stood there. And uh, it's always carried with me that, you know. And, and then to say we got home and I can remember my mum saying like, what were they, Bob? You know, my dad were Robert. But what were they? What, I don't know. And all that kind of thing. And. And, and I didn't really get a chance to talk about it much after that. I know one at Neighbours, next door but one, incredibly, she's still alive, unbelievably, because I wanted to speak to her son. Because during this conversation that they're having, and I'm only a, a young boy, this this woman comes round next door but one, and uh, they, they get talking, and then she says that her son saw something really weird coming home, uh, you know, ac across Denaby Lane, uh, you know, across the crossings, and he'd seen these rabbits and guinea pigs. I never got to know whether he'd seen the other things. And I'd like to speak to him. Mm. They call him Hugh. Uh, I'll not say his surname. I don't know whether you don't know whether you're politically correct saying names are out now, dear. But uh, and I spoke to somebody in the village, probably two or three months ago, and I asked if he ever got to the village. This chap, he goes, "Oh yeah, he comes to see his mum." Well, his mum's going to be hundred years old now. It's incredible. Mm. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what? Yeah. Nuts. But and just just a little little side note, but, you know, yeah, night people, I mean, I'm, I am glad I wrote it. There's certain things in it that, that still feel uncomfortable. And I did think 
when I started really focusing my mind on the events from childhood to present day that I'd remember more. I thought, you know, I, th I thought it was going to be like a bit like regression, but it didn't happen. It, it, it just, there were two things I think I told you, and one of them were kicking leaves on Church Street. So I knew it, it just took me to autumn. That could, but don't, it's not only real revelation. And another thing, we're in this house where we are now, when we first moved in in 1994. And I, I woke up and I'm looking at the spindles as they've gone white, but I do recall now seeing what we'll call them beings just coming up the, the landing. And I don't mean coming up the landing as in up someone's stairs, people, because you'd have to appreciate how big this property was before I converted it to flats. It was something like five metres, be three and a half, four metres, this this landing that just went all the way round up to top of house, big old Victorian uh, townhouse. And it was like a, a biblical scene. That's what yeah. it reminded uh, That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and no, I didn't see something biblical but that's what it reminded me of but yeah it's, it's a strange one isn't it and as i say and now I'm, I'm doing this fifth book which it will be truth proof four and uh it's truth proof four more things in heaven and earth and that's definitely going to be last one for a while because i'm 58 i'm still pretty fit and able so i just want to make the most of getting into these forests getting into these locations there's plenty of time to have a go at writing another book later, you know. So once this one's done, I'm I'm sort of closing the book for a while and, and doing lots and lots of research and field trips. That's my idea. Well, good on you, good on you, because, I mean, that that's going to give you, as you say, that's going to give you the material for the books later on. I'm yeah. going to focus you on something else now, uh, just change yeah. a, a little bit of a attack on this for the minute. Um, can you tell us about the time slip? Yes, this is an interesting one. I think we're looking at uh, 2016. Uh, I've still got the, the trollman's still got to get his logbook for me to get the exact date. And this guy left Bridle. It's a, it's a quite a long story. There won't be much left after we've done this. Maybe this guy took a fishing party out to a place called the Big Wrecks, which is off Bempton and Flamborough, and it's about. It's not. I think it's about 15 miles out. No, 12, 12 to 15 miles out. And you, the, sorry, you've got the map behind you. Can you can you point out on the map oh, right. behind you? Okay, guys. So I think we're about here right. on the map. So there's Flamborough Head, the, the point. And we're about, we're about, we're somewhere here between Flamborough and Bempton. And he's, he's going to the, what's called the, the wrecks. Uh, uh, big Ridge, Big Ridge, I apologise, Big Ridge, because they pass over the four wrecks as well. Obviously, it's self-explanatory, but they get a lot of fish around there. So he's taking this fishing party out. He leaves the harbour. I haven't got this information in front of me, but I think he, they left harbour at about 5.30 in the morning. Two and a half hour journey to get there, to get to, to, to the Big Ridge. It's half an hour to get from Bridlington Harbour to Flamborough, to head end, as they call it. Uh, you know, the following tide. He recalls looking out of the harbour, there's another boat following him. I've not named other boat and deliberately doesn't want me to. So there's another boat following them so that they know that they're probably 15, 20 minutes behind them. They intended to do a bit of fishing at Flamborough Head, 30 minutes mackerel fishing, Flamborough Head, but they didn't. They carried on. They carried on to the four wrecks. They, they're plotting all this on a on a plotter and basically 
the boat will, all he's got to do is follow course. So Ted, whose boat it was, got his head, they'd been up since about four o'clock preparing all bait for fishing party and everything, him and his son. He said, so I got my head down on wheelhouse. He said, I just thought I'm going to catch a few hours and my son skippered boat. said, so, he said, I don't need him to have got, had my head down like, I don't know, half an hour or so. He said, he's checking me. He said, what what, what, what you woke me up for? He says, we're here. So what do you mean we're here? He says, how can we be here? He says, and first thing I realised, he said, was that everywhere was golden. And he said, and he, it, it's funny analogy. He said it looked like a lab, the colour of a Labrador dog. What is exact words? A golden Labrador. He said, the full three sixty. He says it's just golden. You you can kind of see that there's a sky behind this goldenness, but it's got. He says, and it's silent. Huh absolutely silent he says i thought we were in eye of an hurricane he says i actually thought we were going to get it at any minute he said uh, he said it were it, it were eerily silent he said when we when normally you go into a fishing ground the gulls follow you you've got bait you, you they're, they're gonna get fish but you know because obviously nature of what they're doing he says there's not a bird in sight he says and i looked at water he says and it just looked like what oil everywhere he says it were like plasticky oil and it were just flat as anything he says and it weren't oil he said i couldn't understand it he says and i looked at the plotter and we were there he says and that it it, it it sort of showed us sort of going get into the journey but it had missed out i think he said the the four wrecks he says i can't understand it he says i really thought we were in trouble he said, now I've got a, a radar uh, on the boat, sets it to 10 miles. It can set it up to 50 miles. And it'll ping if it, it's anything. It's doing 360. Yeah. He said, so I set it. There's nothing for 10 miles. I've got no radio communications. Everything's gone. It's completely silent. We're there an hour, an hour, an hour and a half early as well, which is impossible. Wow. Yeah, they, they, so they've not lost time. It's, it's, they've actually, it's just incredible. It's an incredible story. Uh, so he said, I set the radar 10 miles, there's nothing. Set it to 20 miles, it should have pinged Bempton Cliffs off Lambra. Nothing. Set it to 50 miles, there's nothing. We, 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 he says, oh, and I'm worried. He says, I'm really, really worried. I just don't understand it. Uh, I didn't say up to fishing party. I told them to just bait up and get on with it. He says, and they were pulling fish out like mad. Never had a huge ling. This is codling. Huge ling that they're pulling out and all sorts. He says, I never caught fish as crazy as what these guys were catching fish and obviously this is being witnessed by the other people on the on the boat yeah, yeah but i've only got i've only got this guy the the trollerman and his son it'd be good if i could speak to some of others i've got a name of one of others that i'll probably chase that up uh but i've no reason to disbelieve this guy so anyway i said we're, we're sort of I, i'm just i'm just dumbfounded because i can't see clouds i can't see sun although you think there's a sun shining but you can't see because you're just like in this golden globe. He said, it's so weird. He said that I thought we'd come into a vortex. At first, he says he thought, imagine if you were in an hurricane and you're in eye of it and it's still, this is what it is. He says, but I now believe, and, and he's, he, well, his analogy, he says, I think, he says, I don't believe in all that UFO stuff. That is, is worse to that effect. He says, but I think there's like worlds rubbing alongside of each other. And he says, no, I think we've gone into it. He says, if we were in another world, he says it was weird. He says, and then the next thing, he says, there's a ding 
radio communication comes now look and I can see this other boat approaching so we get on radio he says where you been he says what do you mean he says well we were gonna ring Coast Guard we thought you'd sank you've just disappeared he says well we're here he says how long you been here he says an hour and a half they said impossible you can't have been he says I saw you leave Arbor he says I saw you coming out of Arbor behind us he says yeah and I thought I saw you but obviously this guy in other trawler is just doubting his own eyes now thing so basically you've just got a strange situation off 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 the head of Bempton and Flamborough but isn't it interesting that it's also the place where there's been aircraft tragedies and some of them will have been genuine aircraft tragedies but mm. it just it kind of makes you wonder uh, what's happening out there it's the place where on the maps or the old maps that say a magnetic anomaly is supposed to exist is said to exist in this location oh really i didn't i wasn't aware of that yes yeah and i've, I've got i've got the map actually yeah, i was that. gonna say that's on your map isn't it or something on your map about magnetic yeah that, that magnetic anomaly in this area yeah you see that yeah. <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> um, obviously this that map weren't it's not to scale it's what paul's i've sketched yeah no so. no you know what I mean? But but we've roughly we're out, and all the little pins signify the different types of phenomena that that have been occurring. And I did it when we did bringing down the light, and I've just not took it off wall. I'm grateful <laughs> because my wife wants me to. <laughs> I was going to say it's useful for us because yeah. we get a, a really good idea, especially for people like in America and you know yeah. those places that don't know. It's good to have a, a visual representation. You know what? When you when you were saying about the sort of golden. Um, you know the 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 golden atmosphere, if you like, at that particular. Mm. What came to my mind was sandstorm, but obviously, yeah. you know, if there was a sandstorm, then but they're in the water. <laughs> then, well, yeah, well, exactly. But I mean, <laughs> I know that the sand does come over because in the summertime we get it on our cars, don't we? But, you know, but, but then then you would think though, Shelley, that you would. You would have heard wind. You'd have heard some kind of sound. That, yeah, that was my point. You and there would have been sand. <laughs> it would have covered everything. Do, do you know when, when once the radar pinged and the radio started working, he said everything just sort of evaporated and went back to normal. We could see the sun. We could see the clear blue sky. The sea. Everything was choppy. You know. There's a story that I've not, I, I haven't even got the year for this, but something tells me it's 1998. So, but I, I, that's only me surmising. But uh, I know I've had this, I've been told by a trawler, uh, sorry, I've been told by a lifeboat man, and I've been told by someone else who, who's very close to another lifeboat man that they went to investigate or look for casualties from an air crash. And and I'm, I'm I'm thinking this is 1998, and the sea was choppy. The sea was rough off Flamborough Head. This is a bit further down towards Barmston, if if I'm looking at the right one in between Barmston and uh, and Flamborough Head. But then they entered a circle of calm sea with lights mm. under the sea. It's it's one I've not written about because you, you, some people would write about it because but. And, and and they'd get away with writing about it because there's nobody to chase them up. But I I want a little bit more meat on bone before mm. I, I start I start really looking into it deeper. And uh, I've been told to story twice now, and by different obviously by different people. One one an actual guy who was there on the scene. He says that he says that were weird. He says we just entered from choppy sea, a circle of flat sea. 
And so that's it. He didn't say there were lights under. The other person told me the lights under. Mm. So that's as much as I've got on that. And that were after an aircraft crash. So All right. It'll be one to look into. It might take years. Do you know? It, it, that's how. That's the nature of these things. I've been searching for information for uh, Lightning XS eight nine four now since about two thousand. Well, yeah, two thousand. And when I first sort of spoke to Tony Dodd about it, you know, and because I'd found more information than he'd found out, and uh, you know, and I'm still looking into it because it's a brilliant story. And so there will be more to come on that. I have got more information, but it, it, we, we must also understand, Bella, that it's delicate as well because you're dealing with tragedies. Yeah. And you, you don't want to be pinning UFOs and, and cryptids to, 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 to the loss of people. Yeah. It's, it's a big jump. All, all I say when I'm looking into these things and, and human fatalities are involved, because I haven't got an answer to what's happened, is that, that it's, it's, it's worth looking into, it's worth researching and delving deeper. Doesn't mean that UFOs are involved, but it means that they've gone missing or things have happened in an area that's, that's renowned for unexplained phenomena. So that's why I look into it. And, but, but I do find it kind of difficult with with the when there's fatalities involved and you know i think it's too delicate two people too many people are far too sort of i don't flippant with how they look into pe people's disappearances and people's demises and and that's not just not the way i'd ever want to go i think we've got to be so respectful but i anyway. agree i oh, know i agree and it's it's refreshing to hear that because like you said people are uh too quick to try and get the sound bite for themselves you know yeah. to uh to get the limelight it's almost if you like, like exploiting it exactly rather than it, it rather than investigating it you're exploiting it exactly and the family of those loved ones the last mm -hmm. thing you want to give them is more questions and more worries you know they they obviously need to come to peace with with their tragedy so yeah no that's um that's you nice. know I, I i could probably with, with some of the things i know and some of the things i've been told which I won't talk about, uh, but what I'm meaning is I could probably quadruple numbers of people that would want to look at the YouTube channel and things like that just by saying things that uh, there might be a grain of truth attached to it, but it's outrageous, and it seems like people want to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and at all, at any expense, at anyone's cost, and I'm not, uh, I just won't do it, you know. But uh, so, yeah, we're just plodding on, we're doing what we do. <laughs> The the case that you were just talking about with the with the trawlerman there, you said that obviously they'd used their radar and and they had other bits of equipment that weren't registering that they were in the location they thought they were in. Um, do, is there any kind of I'm I'm just talking about evidence now, and I know that everything is not evidence uh, based, but is is there any kind of logs from those things? Are they digital you know, logs or? I wanted the logs. The 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 boat in question were called the boys own. And it, it's not zone, own. Right. <laughs> and uh, it, uh, it sank, I think, off Whitby about two years ago. He sold it and it sank off Whitby. Because he said, I said, have we got any information? Have we got this chart plotter, this info? Yeah. He, he says, well, that would have still been on it. He said, but, it, but, but we know it sank. So all I've got is his log. That I can get that uh, to give me the exact date, right? And it's observations of the time. Where uh, when I'm saying all I've got, I haven't got that yet. I've got the story. I've spoke to him probably. I bet I've spoke to him ten times. Mm. It's allowed me to record him as well. 
Yeah, not not to record him to pl- it. It more helps me when I'm writing things up. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? You you, you sort of gauge people, and isn't it? It's not to gain. Is is absolutely nothing to gain by telling this story. Uh, if anything, I wouldn't say he's got a lot to lose because he's not the kind of guy that would be intimidated. But it's it doesn't do your credibility any good to say that you've lost an hour and a half of. Uh, you know, you somehow you've you've got to a fishing ground an hour and a half earlier than mm. is is humanly possible. Mm. He said he said what he said what he said. I've had to have been on that speedboat that goes out to Arbor. Yeah, you know that it's just not possible to have to have got there an hour and a half early. It's interesting to hear a case of not missing time as such, but actually never I, had time. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. I, mean? yeah. Um, I would. Because, yeah, because usually the cases we hear are, you know, it's where have you been for the last couple of hours? But now yeah. it's, you know, ahead of time. I, I, I can't think of another case mm. where I've I've heard of that. No, it's it's, it's, an, it's a brilliant uh, account. And all being well, if the Outer Limits Conference goes ahead this year, I'll probably put that together as, as with with some visuals and and a bit few sound bites from actual witness mm. you know uh, and and form basis of a talk around it i was going to talk about uh, wolfland but uh, i'd like us to have got it finished before do you know what i mean before mm. i start going into great detail about it on as a as a lecture for a conference because it doesn't seem fair putting sound bites out about the film you know, we put that little promo out. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, and yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've watched it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a guy in there called Gaz Gray, and he hasn't actually seen anything. He he likes to walk and observe the sky and a bit of solitude. He's a hard-working guy, wife and, and, and a young family, and sometimes he likes a bit of sort of free time to himself. And he found himself walking along the top of what's called Scolby Mills just on – outside of Scarborough. So anybody who's not familiar with these areas overseas, just Google it and you'll find Scarborough and Scalby Mills. He says, and I'm up there overlooking Jackson's Bay. Interestingly, as a side note, Jackson's Bay is a place where rock anglers and, and beach fishermen claim to have seen, he called it a cat dog. He says he didn't know what it was. You know, he's seen huge animals. A lot of UFO sightings in, in Jackson's Bay. Uh, UFO as in the light form phenomena. But, he said he sat there, he sat on this little concrete, it's probably something that's been used for military during the, during the war. It's not a bunker, just a chunk of concrete, though, that's mm. pre, pre-formed. And he sat on it. He said, and then all of a sudden, he realises that there's no seagulls. There's no sound. It's the night, but the seagulls don't switch off on coast during night, you know, they're flying yeah. about all over. They've got, they must have eyes better than owls because there's, <laughs> there's phone wires everywhere at back of me. And I see them on a night when I let my little dogs out and they're dodging about all over the place. They've got great eyesight. Right. I'm rambling again, guys. Sorry. Right. So, <laughs> seagulls eyes. So <laughs> he, says, <clears throat> he said, suddenly I realized I can't hear the seagulls. I can't hear the sea crashing the, on the rocks below. It's just gone. Absolutely. Into this, what I've, called the lower silence he says we've just gone into this strange almost stifling weird frightening silence he said and then i heard it he said and I, he said if you've ever if you've ever been to races and you've heard the horses come thundering past you he says i can hear this these huge feet running towards me he said and 
imagine I imagine if an elephant was stampeding or a hippopotamus was running towards me because it was singular it weren't a, a herd of something he said and that's what I thought it was he said and suddenly the fear descended onto me so much that I dropped down into the fetal position and I knew it were on me and I thought at this any moment now it's just going to run straight over me he said and just as impact arrived he said it just went and everything's normal I can hear sea I can hear seagulls and so that that's an account in Wolflands that's different to the others, but it, it, it's it, it's linking. We've tried to link a lot of stuff and 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 stories. And and the the lower silence is something that a lot of people uh, who've who've been touched by unexplained phenomena, be it the cryptids, be it the UFOs, be it the light forms. A lot of people, as you know, because you've interviewed lots of people, talk about this strange descent into a, a, a frightening kind of silence. And that that is an important thing to consider because I, I, I don't know what's happening. I don't know whether it's the whether we've done what what the rock angler, what the sorry, the boat fisherman said is we've sort of rubbed along and entered some kind of other sphere of existence or. The phenomena itself has almost put a bubble of its strangeness around us and squeezed out our... Uh, reality. Reality. You know, yeah, I don't know how we're breathing it. Nobody talks about having breathing difficulties, mm. uh, you know, uh, which is a strange one. I don't know what's happening. It could be... It, it might not... Nothing might be happening, Shelley. Uh, you know, it might be the fact that there's its, its presence just alters chemicals within our body and makes us feel different Could so it, there might be you know it's difficult but then you then you ask yourself why the silence does it alter how does it alter your ears <laughs> could it be something like for instance you know when you have a heightened awareness yeah when for instance you you know you, you're about to get into a car accident for instance people have reported that things slow down and you suddenly you you notice the minute details um i'm wondering whether it could be almost that rather than rather than everything else dumbing down because of the the experience maybe the experiencer is filtering everything else out and concentrating on what you know is is it's a possibility i mean i think it, i think this is something that not necessarily researcher it's a weird word isn't it because we're not we're all researchers if that's the case because i'm no better than anyone else we're just looking into things i think this is something that rationally we should be all banging our heads together and thinking what is this aspect of the phenomena because it's an important aspect uh because it it seems to touch every genre of the phenomena that you're looking at so many people report or or, or tell of experiencing this and are, are there is it does it come on that quick that there are no indicators that it's going to happen or, you know it's difficult isn't it but it's almost like it's happening it's you're, you're immersed in it before you realize it's happening yeah do you, do, you know and i know that the things that happened to me in childhood i wasn't consciously thinking i'm going to I'm going to research this. I'm going to look at document this for when I get older. I don't none of that, but I do know that when it happened, after it had happened, say four or five times, I do know that I will watch. I will. I was watching for it all the time. I was in fearfully as well as a child, uh, laid there, sort of not daring go to sleep because 
I were watching for it. But do you know what? It were all us on me before I knew it were happening. Do, do you know what I'm saying? It's it's yeah. You you ne- you're never one step ahead of this this phenomena. I think one of the things that really impresses me about about the research that you do and 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 the cases that you talk about is that they don't seem to me and i and i'm I'm not trying to put down any other cases or anything at all but it almost seems to me like there's they almost seem more credible because there's little bits of information little bits of detail the stories differ slightly from what is the norm or what is you know what has been reported so many other times before that you could say well, that's just being regurgitated. I've read something to, about that before. There always seems to be something a little bit different, you know, and that's what makes this your the stuff you're working on so interesting to me. Well, I, I, you know, I'll I'll spend hours and hours talking to people and to point to. I hope I don't annoy them to to ringing them to get ex, these extra details. I, I, I really want to I want to deliver as as accurate a story as I can to to the reader to the listener. But and I want to do the person who's telling me these things. I want to do them justice. I don't want to. I don't want them to feel like the the you know. Oh God, why have I told him that? Because I feel like a fool now. He's written that up and like he's making me sound silly. Uh, you know, and if you've got faith in who you're talking to, you don't believe everybody. You know, Bella you, or, and Shelley. I don't, I don't. I really don't. I've got loads of people who contact me, and and I'm very polite, and I say, "Wow, well, it's an incredible account, and thank you very much," kind of thing. Uh, and I don't really follow anything up. And there's there's a lot more of them than the ones I follow up. And it doesn't mean that those people. I'm not trying to disrespect them. Aren't telling the truth. It's just that there's a, sometimes there's an air of genuineness. There's a story from Humanby from 2018, Humanby Gap, a lady called Jean. And I've only talked about it once and I've written about it in, in this new book. And she gets up in, uh, she's keen to stress that she's got the, the retired there and they've got this little bungalow. And at the back of, on the landing of their bungalow, as, as you get up and go to the bathroom or whatever, you can look out and you can see the sea between two of the bungalows behind her but she can see a good portion of the sea and as she gets up this morning to use bathroom five o'clock uh she always stops and looks she just that's just what she does and she looks onto the landing and she can see what she what she perceived was like a in a beautiful clear blue sky a black cloud but but it, but it were different so she focuses on it and it's almost grainy and then she said it almost pixelated. I'm saying almost. I don't, you know, mm. we've only got the words of this person. And it became three equally spaced pyramids in the sky, black, perfectly placed over the sea between the two bungalows. She says, and I asked her at arm's length, how big were they? You know, as big as a penny, big as a two, a two pence piece. I don't know. And she claims that, so they were big. They looked as big as matchboxes at arm's length. So there's three of them. And she's watching this early hours at morning, 5 a.m. And suddenly she believes it can see her. She believes there's a connection. Mm. She doesn't know why. Suddenly she becomes very, very frightened. And to the point where she don't look anymore, she goes to bed. She says, I put my head under the duvet. I'm frightened to death. And I, I just didn't get up then till half eight, nine o'clock. 
and obviously there's nothing to see. It was with trepidation that she rang me, well, contacted me first, and then we've spoken. Uh, I want I want to meet him, her and her husband, to be honest with you, but coronavirus sort of stopped us doing that. But I will chase it up. We've spoken on phone. And but it was with trepidation due to the due to the part due to the fact that she doesn't know why she felt like it suddenly it knows I'm watching. Like and and, and it's like almost she's feeling a a threatening feeling coming towards us like don't watch, stop watching, go mm. away. And but you'd think something as big as that, if we're looking at something as big as a matchbox and at five AM on a bright sunny day. And we know that not everybody's up, but that you know, in seaside towns there'll be holidaymakers and that. That some people will be up walking the dogs and that at that time. Yeah, yeah. There must be more people out there that's seen that. But once again, the intermind connection, the the visual, as uh, is that the reason that when we sort of think, Christ, I've got to get a phone, uh, a photograph, it disappears. Uh, is there some mechanism within the the intelligence of unexplained phenomena? far more advanced than what we can conceive that that can actually hear human thoughts mm. and, is, and is that the same as the the chap on the cliff tops who is sensing something watching him coming towards him seeing him etc is that the same phenomena I think so. I think you know the, the rock angler. What about when he saw the star up in the heavens? He couldn't recognise it. Yeah, he's fishing there later you know, during the night. Uh, I think it was November, and he's looking at the heavens. Lovely star-filled night because it's fabulous up there. You know when it's a clear night because you've no light pollution and there's a bright star. And he's looking at it, and then before he realises, it's over the top of him. So it's obviously not a star. The ground's lit up. He says even the grass looked like blades of silver. It's just lit up like a welder's arc. And then as fast as it's, it's appeared, it's gone. Now, But there's definitely... An, it, this thing can't have been in the heavens, as he perceived. Uh, well, uh, how can I say that? That's a sweeping statement coming from myself. But, but the point I'm making is he'd seen it a long way away. And that obviously this intelligence that was that light has interacted with his thoughts... Are they, I, I, I do believe that they can probably these things, even the cryptids. I don't, they might it might not be on level that we're thinking. You see, the problem we all have, and it's hard not to think too deep about these things. But the problem we all have is we're trying to look at this intelligence, and it's the only way we can look at it through with our minds, with our with human intelligence. But this this phenomena might not be interested in anything that we consider important. <laughs> do, do, do you know? Yeah. yeah. It, it, and. And if, if, if there is something out there that can hear thought, or it, it might not even hear thought. It might, it, might, it might sense chemical changes within our body composition, and they're the signals it reads, and it might just mm. read our language in a totally different way yeah. to, what we, to what we think, you know? It's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult for Paul Sinclair to even talk about, because I don't understand what I'm talking about half the time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen. We're really glad that you. We're really glad that you do talk about it because that you know we're not out there. We're not seeing those kind of things. We're not meeting the people who are seeing them. You know, so obviously we need someone like yourself who's who's got the you know the talent and the passion, you know, and the drive to actually bring us that that information. So, Paul, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you yeah. again, and we know that that we could. Sp- Phil, absolutely hours talking to you. Well, yeah. We know that obviously yeah. you've got stuff to do today as well. Um, 
So I really appreciate the fact that you came on with us on this Saturday morning and, and spent the time with us. Uh, it's always a pleasure, really is. Could I just say that if anybody's interested in the website and some of the sightings yeah. on it, it's truthproof.uk. Uh, the books are available on the website and they're also available at Amazon. But, to, you know, primarily have a look at the website. If you've got sightings of your own experiences, you want to share them in confidence, feel, feel free. Always got a willing ear. Yeah. And and I just want to say listeners as well, as well as his website, truthproof.uk and his Facebook page. He's also got a fantastic YouTube channel that you need to check out as well. He's got a lot of witnesses on there. He's got details of things that he's got coming up as well on there. Um, and he did all of those live streams over lockdown as well plus a load of other interviews that he's been a part of as well. So you really need to take a look at that. Thank you. Paul, thank you very much indeed. Really appreciate you being with us today. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye, Bella. Bye, Bye. Shelley. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, I wasn't just paying lip service to Paul there. He is an amazing guest. He uh, he certainly makes our life a lot easier because we don't have to come up with too much because he's just full of information. He just comes out with it and he yeah. leads the show, doesn't he? Yeah, you'd like to have him along if you're like if you're camping out so you can all be around the fire and yeah, yeah, listening definitely. To, although I'm not sure with some of the stories that he's saying. <laughs> That I would want to be camping. No, I would love to. I would love but, to. You know. I'm going to be asking him if after lockdown and everything is done, whether he will allow me to go up and spend the night with him. <laughs> I'm going to rephrase that. Yeah, maybe I'm going to ask him if, if he would be happy for me to go along and spend the night with him watching out for um, this stuff that he's, he's, uh, he goes out for. But as he mm-hmm. rightly said, you know, you could go out and spend days out there or nights out there, should I say, and not find anything. Which I think well, is... Uh, I I still, you know, they say that there are more sightings because people have their cameras all the time with their phone and everything. But I don't... When you consider how many people actually have phones, there's there isn't as much as you would think anyway. No, but like he said, a couple of things. First of all, he's got all of that equipment. And on that one situation, it was only actually capturable on one device. And then you've also got the thing where he said that sometimes something will happen and you'll take out whatever it is, the equipment that you've got, your phone, for instance, like you just mentioned or whatever, and it's happened, it's gone, it's done, it's finished. Well, so, how many people have phone? their phone is like part of their hand? You yeah, know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but not everyone is out on the cliffs at Bempton no, in the yeah, middle no. of the night, are they? So, um, you know, I, I get it. But, yeah, um, so do I. I'm just saying it's, mm. it's, it is kind of interesting that there aren't more you know photo evidence or video evidence just from i mean you could start a show with that on t on tv even you know well they do don't they you know yeah yeah, but i mean specifically dedicated to amateurs with i mean i know there are shows that pick them apart but i think it'd be interesting to have something like that where you're not picking it apart here it is here it is yeah um yeah. What do you think? Almost like uh, um, over here, we call it you've been framed, but in America, it's AFV. America's funniest on videos, isn't it? So um, that type of that type of format you're talking about, where you've just got a load of videos back to back with uh, what yeah. people have captured. Yeah, absolutely. And what, and what do you think? It isn't, you know, you're not trying to sensationalize it or anything. Yeah, hey, they could, they could vote from- on what they thought is the most credible at the end of the show or something. Uh, See, uh, we could make money out of this. 
We need to pitch this. Instead, we're stuck in why, a little team. Why'd you say this on a podcast? With why no you, masses at the moment. Why couldn't you have told me this? You know, after after the show, and then we could have we could have sent it off. We could have made a bit of money. You know. Uh, yeah, right. All yeah. these lost opportunities. Yeah, I'm sure somebody's on the phone right now going, <laughs> hey, we got to do this. Yeah, hey, we got an yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, guys, thank you very much once again for spending time with us. Don't forget, you can get more information via our website, www.weirdwackywonderful.co.uk. Bella's going to sleep as I go through all of this now. Mm-hmm. Um, you can donate to us using that Buy Me A Coffee link, which is on our, uh, again, website on the bottom of the podcast notes and on YouTube. You can get in touch with us via social media and everywhere else. You can subscribe to us via our YouTube channel. That would be brilliant if you could do that. That would really help us because we're trying to we're trying to build up some YouTube uh, <laughs> thumb walls. <laughs> Not even on camera. Um, yeah, we're trying to build up our YouTube uh, followers as well. To hopefully, we can earn some money that way. <sighs> no. <laughs> Are you wet, Willie? Me? Oh God! See, people don't see this kind of stuff usually, and I what I have to put up with while we're trying to I'm trying to keep serious. Right, we're, I'm going to try and sort out this flipping contrast issue that we've got between us as well because we're in the same room, but you wouldn't think it, would you? Anyway, thank you very much again, guys. Really do appreciate it, and remember to always stay weird, weird wacky, wacky, and, and wonderful. flipping wonderful, guys. Flipping wonderful. Flipping wonderful. Bye.